Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. Uh, cheating a little bit, it is still technically morning, but uh, by the time you're getting this, it'll probably be Thursday afternoon or Friday. Uh, but as, as per usual, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm Daniel Faulkner. We will have Defalk up to the uh, status of co-host soon enough in his own heart. Daniel Faulkner, who, in case you were wondering, is distantly related to favorite son of Oxford, Mississippi, William Faulkner. He's your something-something uncle, right? It, it's very distant. You know, my sister did the research on it. We were like, oh, my God, this is so cool. But she knows it more than I do. I just – I like to throw it around now that I'm the one living in Mississippi. Like, you know, flex. I'm related to that that crazy guy that rode right on the walls. It's a flex. Uh, I didn't even know that about William Faulkner. But you, I just learned something right now. This is an edu- This is educational program. I'm telling you. I'm pounding my fist on the table because I'm so excited to learn. Uh, speaking of learning, you're, uh, you're about to learn uh, some programming notes. We have all but given up, and I, I say given up. That's not the right word. The men are done. They're, they will not be going to the NCAA tournament, even if they went out, uh, unless they win the SEC tournament because of their loss last night in South Carolina. So if you're keeping up with the Twitter, Andrew is – his Twitter fingers, he is smashing those keys, talking about coaching searches. Uh, I'm going to shoot him a message just to just tell him to keep that stuff up. Uh, but we will not have a basketball-related episode for a little while, uh, so we won't have one this week. Maybe Monday or maybe next Thursday. We'll see uh, what, how where the coaching search information goes. But we're going to let that breathe a little bit, and then we're going to go full coaching search uh, because I think that's the information that y'all would rather have. And Andrew knows a lot more. He's a little bit more plugged in from a you know what makes sense, the, a rumor mill standpoint and stuff like that. Of course, he, he doesn't have personal contacts, but he's got his finger on the pulse of, a, of, of that situation a lot better than some of your football and baseball-focused media people. Uh, and that's not to throw shade at them or anything, but he just – you know, basketball his, is his thing. There is not a person on the beat that I know of where basketball – men's basketball is their thing, and it is for Andrew, so – That'll be really interesting, but he's already hammering away on Twitter. Uh, so go check check that out if you want to know who's the coaching searches are. And, uh, yeah, so that'll be soon. And, of course, we'll, we're going to preview Northern Kentucky today in a limited fashion. And then we will review that series with Lounge Dog on Monday. And then, of course, Monday starts off a big week for baseball. You will face off against Southern Miss and Tulane in four games uh, next week, and those are some really, really tough uh, mid-major opponents, and then you'll go and play none other than Texas Tech down at Biloxi, and hopefully uh, we still have a planet to live on uh, after that because last time things didn't go well. It is not trending positively that we will still have a normal somewhat life after that series, that two-game series against Texas Tech. Who knows, okay, because – Things are kind of going crazy. So I'm not here to talk about world news or foreign policy or politics, but Defog, how are you? Doing fantastic, and I'm right there with you. You know, it's not great, but one of the ways we give joy to ourselves is we like to talk about baseball. And, you know, like I said, last time we played Texas Tech in that that fashion, 
uh, the world fell apart, but hey, we're back. We always come back. Um, you know, we gotta we gotta stay strong and let's let's see, let's talk about the dogs. Love it. Talking about the dogs win yesterday, or now it's been two days. I'm working a lot, guys. Run days are <laughs> running together. Uh big win against Arkansas Pine Bluff. We expected it. Um, I'm not nobody's excited to have beaten Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh you're the the game was over after the first inning. It was just a matter of what the final score would be. They only played seven innings. Uh, they agreed on a 10-run rule, mercifully, not only to Arkansas Pine Bluff, but to those in attendance uh, who took off. There was actually, by the time – a word got out they weren't pumping tickets, which I don't think it mattered. I think everybody has their tickets. But by the time people's lunch break started getting out, I think there was a couple thousand there. It, it got kind of crowded. For a cold day, middle of the day, that was actually crazy. Yeah, there, there was a really good crowd. Um, you know, I, my ticket wasn't scanned. Like, I had it up. Yeah, mine wasn't either. You know, I, I went straight from class, and so I had my I had my bag with me and everything. You know, they checked it, so I could do my homework inside. Yeah, the announced great. attendance was fabricated for that game. I'll go ahead and let y'all know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, they made that up. But that was completely – they did not scan tickets, so. But it's all right. I mean, what are you going to do is just a normal – is Tuesday morning baseball, you know, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So breakfast baseball. Really liked what I saw from two out of the three pitchers. And there's actually a talking point uh, about that that I want to get up to a little bit later. Um, I'm, talking, I'm adding things to our notes uh, as we speak. So bear with me. Okay. I just had to add that because I forgot something. There we go. Jackson Fristo came in and looked good. Uh, I'm I'm just going to try to be a little bit different. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, he looks so good. I thought he looked fantastic as far as throwing strikes goes. But, I mean, he was getting hit. Uh, he gave up four singles. They weren't infield singles – or, excuse me, three singles. Uh, they were hit on the screws by Arkansas Pine Bluff, and he did give up the big home run, which I'm actually okay with. By that time, you have the big lead. Uh, you just throw strikes, and if they run into one, they do. It's okay. I'll say this, what I noticed about Fristo, and maybe it was the weather. Maybe it's a calculated move because he did kind of hit a wall last year. Uh, Velo is down. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's objective that either, unless there's a big adjustment in the gun on Tuesday for some reason, uh, Velo is down. And that could be the case because I think everybody that pitched yesterday's Velo was a little bit less than I thought. I know for a fact Andrew Walling is trying to tone it down a little bit. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but Pico Cone, I don't, I don't, he was right where I expected him to be, but I don't think he broke 90. He probably had 90, but I don't think he threw in a pitch 91 the whole day. Uh, so there wasn't exactly a lot of, you know, gas on Saturday, which is contrary to what you saw at Tennessee yesterday. There's a kid touching 103 in the midweek, which is insane. Imagine, just imagine, you know, you're a SOCON team or like an Atlantic 10 team. You're going in the middle of the day to play an SEC school in a bye game. You know, it's a midweek. You're in the middle innings. You're down 10 to zero or something. And the dude comes out of the pen and he starts hitting 103. Could you imagine? I couldn't because I don't play college baseball. But that's the stuff of nightmares right there. <laughs> I mean, you, you go to these midweeks and you're not, you're not expecting a whole lot. You're expecting to see the lesser guys from the, uh, from the team you're playing. And they throw that guy throwing 102, 103. That that 
That's terrifying. Like, and 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 here's what's even more terrifying. I, I watched him pitch, and of course, if you're throwing 103 and you're not a midweek starter or a closer, you're or excuse me, a weekend starter or a closer or just somebody really important on the weekends. If you're going in the midweek, we all know why. It's because there must be a control issue. He's not exactly a strike thrower. I mean, he's not. He wasn't as as bad as we've seen, you know, from Sarantola and stuff like that in some games. But yeah, he didn't. He didn't have the best command. This dude can end your life. You're in yep. their midweek game where your school is getting paid to play. You travel to Tennessee. You're missing class. It's the game is already over. It's the sixth inning, and you're stepping in the box with somebody that could kill you. <laughs> that's just that's remarkable. But uh, we did not see 103 yesterday. We didn't even see the 97 that we were promised from Walling. I do think he was, you know, raining things in a little bit. Um, the pitchers through not that many pitches, which I wanted to talk about. Just 43 for Fristo. I don't necessarily expect him to throw this weekend, but he very well could, and I'd love for him to, uh, to kind of get some more innings. Not a lot because I kind of you still kind of want him to start the next midweek game against Southern Miss, but he looks like he definitely could go, especially on Saturday or Sunday, throw, you know, 15, 20, throw an inning, and then come back out ready to go on uh, the next midweek game. Pico Cone. He threw less than 20, and he looked, I thought, outstanding. Gave up the one hit, but he's pounding the zone. He's that Houston Harding type. Uh, he's not. He's from the left side, not going to run up the, the radar gun like we've mentioned. That breaking ball is for real, though. It's absolutely for real. Um, it, was, it was magnificent to see, and he was a strike thrower, a very efficient, got three outs and eight pitches in the first inning, uh, threw less than 20 overall. So you're really excited about him. And you need a left-handed guy that can throw strikes. You know, Cam Tuller's hit or miss. Uh, I haven't seen anything from Andrew Walling that tells me he's going to be able to go on any, on any SEC weekend right now. I, I haven't seen it. And, in fact, I want to – what scares me about him is you have a big lead, the game's over, you say, look, I don't care if they hit it, just go throw it. Just pitch the ball, pitch to the zone, and he's still having trouble. You know, I, I think it's a mechanical thing with him. And he was around 92, 93, which is way slower than he can throw. I mean, that that is – I don't believe people were lying to us when they said he was a 95, 97 guy. So, uh, what, what's your take on, on Walling? Do you expect him to get it together? I trust um, – I trust Scott Foxhall to, like, work with him, take it slow, and get his mind right. It, no matter what, Walling is going to – he's here for one year and he's gone, right? He – He's going to get drafted. He has the velocity, and someone will fix him. But, you know, what I saw yesterday, yeah, it had me worried for a minute that we'd see another, like, Eric Sarantola type of guy. But I will say, you know, there's always hope. It was his first time pitching in maroon and white. And, you know, something similar happened to Landon Sims two years ago. He came in on opening day against Wright State. We were up by 10 runs, and Landon threw horribly. I mean, he, he couldn't find the strike zone. You know, he's thrown everywhere. Gave up three runs, I think, on opening day. And we, we still won. It wasn't a save opportunity. Then he came back a few days later and absolutely dominated. You know, he just got nervous for his first time pitching. I, I thought maybe Pico Cone could have – might have been a bit similar, but he looked really sharp. I really think sharp Jack Walker had that this weekend. Because he was a control guy. He threw some wild pitches. He had some walks. 
And, you know, Lamonis said in his uh, press conference after that he was going to use first though. He was going to use Cone on Sunday if it was close. But we kind of had that – we had that crooked number in uh, the, the, what, the fourth or fifth inning. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he said, you know, all right, well, we'll we'll use them on the just the midweeks. And, you know, they both looked really sharp. But with Walling, you know, it might just be that that first start maroon and white struggle a bit. Some guys will struggle with that. Some, I mean, Fristo was really good in his first start last year against Texas Tech, really, really good for his first time play, pitching. So, you know, it, it kind of depends on on who it is, you know, how they feel. Mm-hmm. Once they get more comfortable wearing that uniform, you know, standing on that mound at Duty Noble Field, it'll get a lot better. And I think that's all we need to, for uh, for Walling. You know, maybe he'll find himself starting, but at the moment, you know, let him let him pitch in a moment. You know, don't, don't let don't put him in a high leverage moment, right? Don't put him in a moment where like we need two outs to win the game or something like that. That yeah, you didn't, you didn't get that responsibility yet, but he can I, I work. I just thought, you know, if there's ever a chance to take the pressure off and say, hey, just go throw strikes. It was yesterday. Or, goodness gracious, I did it again. It was Tuesday. And uh, just had trouble. Now, you know, Coach Foxhall did have a meeting with him. He throws two pitches and gets three outs after that. So that was fantastic. Uh, and, and I guess at the 92, 93, you know, he's more of a ground ball pitcher. I imagine at 97, he's more of a swing and miss guy. Uh, or or sometimes when you throw 97, you can give up a home run just because you just got to touch the ball and it's got a lot of impact. But I, I think he could get together. Am I optimistic that that happens right now? I, I can't say so. We saw, I mean, we just saw with Sarantola. Maybe it's a mental thing. May, I think it's more, it is more of a mechanic thing. You did see he was immediate, immediately pitching out of the stretch. Uh, didn't matter. So that is, that is an, an attempt by Coach Foxhall to get him to shorten up, simplify his arm motion make everything, you know, slow down for him. And it it worked for a stretch, but not, you know, two pitches, I guess. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see a little bit better out of out of him because he is a weapon. I mean, if you if you're 95 from the left side, I mean, come on. Especially with some of the left-handed hitters we see in this league. Gonna talk about position players. Uh Hancock got to Luke Hancock got to Luke Hancock got to catch the whole time. I can't speak. Uh, got to catch the whole time uh, on Tuesday. I think, you know, he projects to the next level as a catcher. And just some, something I wanted to say, uh, I thought Hunter Hines did a good job at first base, so you're good there. But I really hope that, you know, Luke's in a Luke's in a tricky spot. He's not just foul pole to foul pole power, I don't think. He is. He does have a lot of pop. But he's not going to – uh He's not going to hit 40 home runs in a major league season, I don't think. He's got uh, all the tools, but they're kind of the same as Rowdy Jordan. He's got all the tools at like a B-plus level. He's not A-minus, a A-plus in anything, uh, I, except for not striking out, which is a, a very underrated uh, quality in today's you know professional game because they don't care how many strikeouts you get as long as you hit home runs, which, again, I but bugs me. Love the movie Moneyball. Not sure how much I love what's happening in baseball right now. But um, and I, and I say that, and I love pitching, and I love pitchers getting strikeouts, and I love low scoring games, and that you're getting more of that. So maybe I do like. It. But he um, 
I do hope he gets enough work as a catcher to get drafted as high as he deserves because I don't think they're going to draft him as a first baseman. Yeah, he, he he's very sharp behind the plate. You know, he threw someone Bro, out. Hunter. Yeah, he, he threw a guy out. You know, we, we just turned our phrase, uh, you know, don't throw on Hancock, don't throw on Lotan. It's crazy when you got two great defensive catchers, right? And he, he's a good defensive catcher. He always was. Just so happened that Logan Tanner is a generational talent behind the plate, a generational talent. We, never, we, we haven't seen something like that behind home plate in maroon and white. And, you know, he, he's making plays like Johnny Bench throwing from his knees without even not, – not even standing up and throwing a gun to second base. Johnny Bench, so, not the father of Justin Bench. <laughs> not related. So, um, you know, it's really good to see him there. I mean, Luke Hancock is a great player. You know, and, and right now he's, what, sitting at our two-hole – I like that for him because I don't think he's gonna, just going to be our like. It's like I said, he's not a foul pole to foul pole. His his no doubt home runs are always always close to the right field foul pole. You know he pulls them, mm-hmm. and he it's he has obliterated some balls that way. Yeah, that that walk off gets Tulane was above the foul pole the whole time until it was still right, when it got over the fence. It was still on its way up. It it just about left the stadium right. I'm not. If it stayed in the stadium, I'm I'm surprised. Its first bounce probably like I mean definitely it, it left. It was right over my head, and I was looking straight up, and I'm like, that is as soon as he hit, I'm like, oh, we're, see y'all tomorrow. <laughs> like game over. I, I love that kind of left-handed power hitter, you know, especially where I sit on the berm. I mean, you you just see it hit come off the bat, and you know right away, okay, that sucker's gone. Like bye bye, see you later. And that's the kind of power that Hancock has. And you know, looking at it. It might be the power that Hunter Hines has. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. Bigger than I thought <laughs> I he was. I'm really running into one. And he'll get to that. I hate that they don't open the gates in time for us to watch uh, State's batting practice because I mm-hmm. really want to watch our guys take BP. But I, 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 I think it's BP. crazy. Like, just the – we've been talking about this for weeks now. The home run potential that we have – I'd love to see that on on our, uh, you know, batting practice. Just who all just – it's these nukes out in the right field, out in the left field, wherever they are. And that kind of brings us to the next thing. You know, we, we everybody's – I'm sure I'm sure you're aware, Tanner Leggett's leading the team in home runs with two. Matt Quarter and Davis Mash have the other two. Uh, none of our usual suspects have ran into one yet. In fact, I don't – there's not too many – doubles on the team yet uh I, I know Hancock has a double Brad Cumbest I believe has an extra base hit somewhere he has a lot of infield singles too a lot like three already by the way I love the way that dude runs the bases because he's a guy that you I, I saw I watched the the third baseman from Pine Bluff double clutch and then I was like you're you're done like you're absolutely out because he thinks that oh this is a big you know, country strong dude. He can't run. Yeah, he can. <laughs> yeah, he'll be there. But you know, your usual suspects haven't been hitting the home runs. I mean, is that a concern for you? Are you you think that they'll get started soon? Or because I I had a bold take that this is like a, an 85, 90 home run team, and right now we're not on that path simply because the guys I predicted to hit all those home runs aren't. Yeah, it. I don't think it's a moment of concern yet. 
if if we don't hit any like if we hit two or fewer home runs this weekend, I think it'd be a reason for concern. But just looking at it, I think this first weekend the guys were nervous. You know, they're playing very tense. And they had some good pitchers. They were they played against good pitching. And when you're very tense in the box and you know you're not you're not relaxed, you're not comfortable at the plate, you're not gonna hit well. And that's why it took us till the third game to even hit a home run. The the first two games our hitting was outside of that first inning against Long Beach, you know, or in, in the game two, like our hitting was just useless those first two games. And we weren't we didn't look comfortable, we didn't look like we didn't look like ourselves. That's why we're seeing these other guys. You know, some of them are new, like Davis Mesh. You know, he he barely played that much up to this point in the season. You have Matt Corder, brand new JUCO guy, looks phenomenal. You know, they're they're able to like kind of smooth, be smooth at the plate, be relaxed, and they're able to make these big hits. Tanner Leggett, the guy has ice in his veins. I mean, one he's going to go down in history as one of the most famous bulldog hitters ever, even though. You know, so far in his career at State, he's only started, what, 35 games maybe? I know I know, he started a lot in May last year and maybe some in, uh, in 2020. The guy hadn't started a whole lot, but he still is going to go down as one of the best hitters just for that one hit at Texas, and now he's showing this kind of power that he's got. It's amazing. But once these other guys get locked in and they're relaxed at the plate and they start hitting well, watch out. Watch out. It's going to be something to see. I, I, I do think that we're a good offensive, both in terms of offensive team, both in terms of power and average. Uh, part of that's, you know, waiting on Kellen Clark to get started. Uh, I'm not concerned about him. Uh, he did come off the bench the other day. I don't think that that's a, a permanent thing. Uh, but Drew McGowan was doing a good job out there. So just a, a real luxury to have, you know, Drew McGowan, Jess Davis, Braylon Skinner, Brad Cumbus, and Matt Corner out there in the outfield. Uh, with Kellen Clark, because I trust all of those guys to an extent. All of them defensively I trust right now. Uh, maybe Quarter hasn't proven anything to me yet, but he hasn't not. Um, and if Coach trusts him enough to be out center field, that's good enough for me. I like uh, I like that good mix there of good defensive ability and good offensive ability. Uh, and I think the, the one that's got the best of both is going to be Cumbus and McGowan right now. Uh, they've both shown that they can hit the ball. You know what Brad Cummins brings to the table from a power standpoint, and and they're both plus defenders. So that's good. Speaking of, you know, the luxury of having a lot of talent, Tanner Leggett, backup utility guy. He's your third baseman sometimes. He's your shortstop most of the time. He'll, he'll come in and play second. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at first or catcher at this point. Uh, and I know he can play outfield. This is a guy who has done nothing but hit three extra base hits. He's three for six uh, on the season. Leading the team in both home runs and batting average very, very early. Is that, is that a guy that you think should crack the starting lineup? And, and I follow up that question with, I, I do think he's more likely to stick at shortstop than second baseman because I think R.J. Yeager, although uh, yeah, I He's only got on base a few times. He, he's worked some good counts. He's put a good lick on the ball and, and just hasn't come through. I think it's better. He did better when he wasn't leading off. I think Forsyth is the guy that Leggett would replace if he came in. So basically what I'm asking is, you know, is it time to make a change? I mean, this early in the season? This early, I wouldn't say that. 
you know, right as he hit that home run, my first thought was, okay, yes, put him over Forsyth. But I was thinking very, like, in the heat of the moment. You know, he he is a phenomenal player. Like I said, utility player. I remember he, he did play first at one game last year and in extra innings against Texas A&M. He'd come in at first base. And so he he was – he's played all the infield positions that, that here at State. And he's done very well. You know, he has done his job while he's been here at Mississippi State. And that's what makes him so good. He does his job. And if he becomes a starter, he'll do his job there too. And, I mean, you know, he needs to keep proving himself, which is very possible, very likely, right? And at the moment, that's coming in after you throw in a lefty pinch hitter for Lane Forsythe and then coming in on defense. And if he gets another at-bat, you know, take a good hack at it and push himself in there. But I think in another week or two, we might be seeing Tanner Leggett at shortstop if he keeps this up. If he keeps playing the way he has been, there is no excuse not to put him in the starting lineup, right? He, yeah, and a lot of that depends up. on what Lane does. You know, Lane might hit two home runs this weekend. Who knows? But yeah, see that. That's why I think, you know, we, we don't do it right away. We don't think in the heat of the moment, you know, keep going with what we got. Lane Forsyth has that potential. He does. I mean, he, there is a reason he was added to the all-college World Series team. I mean, he is a good shortstop. And, and the question is, I think, there's no doubt Tanner Leggett right now and probably over his whole career has been a slightly better offensive player than Lane Forsythe has in his young career. Now, Tanner Leggett's a veteran. What, what you see is what you get with him. If he made a big jump from this year to last year in ability and, and his ability to put the ball in play, that would be surprising – but that's a factor to consider. What I think your gut is, is maybe a, if everything's just the way they stand right now, from what you saw last year and this year, you've got a slightly better hitter in Tanner Leggett, maybe a slightly better fielder in Lane Forsythe. However, the early returns are you haven't lost a step at shortstop. Uh, in fact, Forsythe's made an error. Tanner Leggett has played airless baseball and made some really good plays, not that Lane hasn't. So that's kind of your question. Uh, if, 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 is he going to, is Tanner Leggett going to regress back to the mean? Probably. I mean, he's not going to hit a home run every single week, I don't think. That would be incredible. But there is a good chance that he could uh, crack the starting lineup. And, and that just shows you how deep this team is. I think that'd be really weird. We, we talked about how the infield, except for second base, was set. We know who the infielders are. We talked about how the outfield, except for center field, was set. That's not the case right now. I mean, we expect Kellen Clark to emerge, but he didn't start yesterday or Tuesday. I've done it five times now. I don't the think center, he started on Sunday either. Right. The center fielder that – I think he did start on Sunday, but he didn't. No, he got pulled half part of the way through the game. That's right. He got pulled. That's right. Hey, um, but it was more – it was too early to say, oh, we're ahead, empty the bench is what it was. Um, but anyway – We've got a center fielder starting right now that wasn't one of the two guys we discussed. And I'm not sure. I mean, we knew the DH was probably one of those talented freshmen. I was anybody's guess if it ended up Hunter Hines. Looking back, a left-handed bat uh, who's a, in the mix at first base, maybe even right field is kind of where you wanted it, your DH to be. So I guess Hunter Hines was an easier to predict than we thought. I think you had him at DH, didn't you? 
I think I did. And that was more so, you know, for that weekend, having a lefty up there, let's get him. And, yeah, he's looked pretty good at the plate. Let's see. <clears throat> now you had Kellum Clark DHing, but you had the, the outfield. You had both you, – you had the lockdown outfield. That's what you had. That's right. That's right. Okay. And I had – I had Slade Alford, which was wrong. Slade Alford has, has the least at-bats on the team out of anybody that's made an appearance. He's played in the field a little bit, uh, but I was incorrect about that. So I had Hunter Hines as the backup first baseman. That's what I had. Okay. Well, that is that is true. He is. So there you go. Um, so Tenelegate does make things interesting. We've talked enough about the midweek game. We're going to talk about the weekend, but there's not too much to talk about. It's early. We haven't seen a lot out of Northern Kentucky. I'll just tell you this: they lost three games by a combined score of 38 to 14. The did the Norse, the Northern Kentucky Norse. I like, I like singular mascots. I've always been a fan. Uh, and I like Norse as a mascot. I don't think we ever played a Norse or the Norse in anything. Uh, I just wish there was a better team that could represent that cool mascot because they lost, like I said, 38 to 14 and lost all three games. Not to, they didn't, you know, do like Charleston Southern did and, and play an SEC team. Uh, and they, uh, there wasn't any SEC team or ACC team that benefited from a cupcake uh, like. Uh, some SEC teams did last week. They played Eastern Tennessee State. So Eastern Tennessee State, baseball school, but not you know, it's not it, I, it's not Louisiana Tech, it's not Southern Miss, it's not one of those even. So don't think it's you know a comparable school to what we played. They got shelled of their three starters. One lasted three three and two thirds innings, which is the best that they did. The other two did not pitch in the second inning. One of their starters gave up six runs and only got one out. I mean, that – so when it goes to, like, we were going to preview all their starters, I'm not sure that it matters, okay? This is I, this is a bold statement, but it's, it's literally the truth. It's going to sound bold, but it's the truth. If you lose one of these games, it actually damages your hosting chances. It's that big of an RPI killer. Like, you, you've got – you've got to win all three. And I'm not saying – I don't have any – fear that that's not going to happen but this is this is like you know we've had Maine in here before we've had Quinnipiac in here before baseball's a funny game you know things happen but you've got to win these games uh the Norris hit 222 last week they did not play a midweek game by the way it wasn't one on the schedule so they're going to be you know full stable of arms but they hit 222 this weekend they did hit four home runs so it looks like they could they could run into one so the long ball could be at play all weekend. It will be colder. Uh, might even be raining. Weather was looking good all week, and now just it's all of a sudden it's uh, going to be below 55 every single game. So that's fantastic for those of us in attendance. But you know the long ball might be a little bit tricky, but I don't expect them to put on an offensive uh, showing uh, that's worth writing home about. I don't expect them to you know pitch in a way that's going to considerably considerably limit us. I do expect us to use the same three starters. That hasn't been announced. I'm sure it'll be announced probably as soon as we get through recording. That's how it was last week. It'll be announced, you know, probably at 1230. Yeah, so that's fantastic. Um, 
but still expect Sims, Casey Hunt, and Cade Smith. No reason to change any of those guys. I know Casey Hunt didn't have the best of outings, but this is the thing, you know, if we get in there on Friday and pound them, you tell look Casey Hunt say, look, throw strikes, and whatever happens, happens. And then that is kind of a confidence builder for him. That's what I hope can happen. And speaking of what I hope, uh, well, well, let's first, I will do a little bit of a hitting preview for them. Trayvon Moss, he had five hits. Four of those are extra base hits. He batted 385 last weekend, did have a home run. And Brenna Grick, I like that name, Brenna Grick, had three hits, a home run and a double included in that, and batted 375 last weekend. So they – they have a couple guys that had a good weekend in a poor, in a poor uh, outing for their team. And like I said, they had four different dudes that all hit a home run. So they can, you know, get a hold to one. If you walk, if you walk the bases loaded, if you nibble, if you play around, if you get cute, you can bring up a hitter that can do some damage and make the game more interesting than it needs to be. So that's what you kind of want to avoid this week. Yeah, this feels like that kind of matchup that, you expect the week before SEC play. I know we have Princeton scheduled that weekend, and I, I don't know if Princeton's any good or not. Probably, probably not. But this is what I you would I want to say Princeton's one of the best in the Ivy League, but that's that's not that's still not saying a whole <laughs> lot about them. You know, they're they're still oh, as you're talking. You keep talking. I'll look up Princeton. <laughs> uh, this does feel like that kind of matchup you would expect the the weekend. Before SEC play, you know, it's one of those that now I remember my freshman year, Maine had to beat him. Quinnipiac, we nearly lost that Saturday game. Uh, we we got we definitely got a, a borderline call to go our way, and it changed the 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 whole the way the entire game went there at the end. And so, you know, we got to come out. Princeton hasn't just, played yet. They've not. That okay. sounds that sounds like the Ivy League. They always have a weird schedule in every sport. They have not I don't think people want to schedule them. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is, but it's one of those. I think it's weird because you're like a, a buy game type team, but they have so much money at that university. Like, do you still pay them? I don't know. Because the third endowment is always huge. Yeah, looking at this, I see. I mean, yeah, Landon's gonna gotta have another Landon outing. And hopefully this time, you know, the the way the Northern Kentucky pitching has been that they'll will just get after them early, but not too quickly, right? Don't put up like a a five spot early because you want Landon to stay in that zone, right? Put up put up two in the first, another one in the second, another one in the third, and like let Landon stay in his rhythm, and that way it won't hurt his ERA. You know he won't won't have a whole lot happen to him, but. He's got to keep doing what he's been doing. He's doing just fine with that. With Casey, I mean, what we saw on Saturday was, you know, first two batters struck out. Boom, easy, like quick domination. And then he was working on that second guy. And I remember there was a call that that he didn't get to go his way. And after that, it almost rattled him, right? His first start at, at State, or his first weekend start, I should say. I remember he started two years ago on a midweek. But his first weekend start, and he's a Saturday guy, you know, going mowing them down, and you didn't get a call to go your way, and just the rest fell apart right after. Can't let that kind of thing get in your head. And I think Fox talked to him about it. You know, he, he'll come back out. He'll be more prepared. And like you said, throw strikes, you're good to go. Cade Smith, we saw what we need to see with Cade Smith. 
dude's an animal. He's gonna he's gonna rock it on on Sunday. But yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. No need to change the weekend rotation after one weekend. I, I don't care. Like KC gave a few, a few runs. Yeah. Oh well. Like he'll he'll get it back together. And if not, after two weekends, well, we have other guys waiting. I think. Uh, by the way, just looked up Princeton. They didn't even play last year. Which what that did to their roster? Who knows? In 2020. Their first three games were against, guess who? Ole Miss. Correct. Ole Miss won 14-2, to 18-4, 15-0. So they were bad. They also didn't play their first game until March. Or excuse me, hold on, that's backwards. Those are their last three games, not their first three games. This schedule split. Those are first three games. They also didn't play the first weekend of the year uh, in 2020. So I guess that's a normal thing for them. I guess so. But uh, they weren't good before the pandemic, and the Ivy League was the only league to not play baseball last year. So, again, what did that do to their roster? So I'm not expecting big things from Princeton. But you're exactly right. Some, You know, I, I have – usually do keys to the game and what we, what we have to do to win. To me, I'm changing that this week to, like, what do you want to see this week? I want to see – and this is a lofty goal. I want Landon to go untouched. Five or four or five, six innings. He doesn't have to go long. I don't want him to give up. I'd like for him to be completely untouched, not only for runs, but I'd like to him to enter the game without giving up anything. That would be – that's just a minor goal of mine. doesn't really matter too much. They might run into the first pitch and give up – and he might give up a run. Who cares? But that's kind of minor goal. I want, you know, Casey Hunt, Parker Stinnett, Fristo maybe, Preston Johnson, uh, Tuller and – Cam Tuller and Brendan Smith to get in there and pound the zone. I want to get ahead early to give those guys that had trouble nibbling or had trouble finding their command a chance to get out there and throw strikes and not and not worry about the consequences too much, to get some confidence back. And I think that's the biggest thing you can come away with this weekend. You get a lot of guys some innings, and those guys don't play around. Even if they get touched up a little bit, they're, they're throwing strikes. Uh, and then lastly, I, I do kind of want to see our power numbers come up. I want, I want a couple of our, our usual suspects to hit a couple home runs to make me kind of, kind of selfishly to hit that prediction that I had, but mostly just to assure me that there was a jump. I don't want – I don't want – I know Logan Tanner hit 15, Cam James hit several. I expected a little bit of a jump from those guys this year. I want them all to be around, you know, 15, 16 home runs. So, you know who I'm talking about. Your, your, your Hancocks, your Cam Jameses, your Logan Tanners. You're Kellum Clarks and your Brad Cumbuses. And I think the last goal is let's quit playing around, Kellum. Let's, let's, uh, I, I think he's trying a little bit too hard. He put a good lick on two different balls. He had one opposite field to the warning track, and he hit a line drive right to the second baseman that actually resulted in double play against Pine Bluff. So he's seeing the ball well, just get off the snide and, and get a couple hits for Kellum. And that's, that's, there's my goals for the weekend. Yeah, I'm not that far off from you. You know, I wonder how we're going to use uh, Fristo and even Brandon Smith with two midweeks uh, next week. And we got Grambling on Tuesday night and then you know, the, the Southern Miss game at Pearl on Wednesday night that week. So I wonder how we're going to use Fristo. And, I hope that Grambling game gets canceled. It, it might. I mean, who knows? There, but, it does not benefit us to play that game. It probably doesn't. Like being scheduled before the, the a, a real test on Wednesday doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. 
Here so I'm that might just be uh, uh, use a few new guys in there. And, you know, I remember we played them last year. We won that game, what, 10 to, 10 to nothing? It was part of our uh, four-game stretch of shutouts. And, you know, I, I think – I do wonder how we're going to, you know, manage our our guys who would be used on the midweeks, right, first. So maybe he'll get an inning in. You know, maybe we'll save Brandon Smith for the midweek, Pico Cone, but still get them, like, an inning or such and see that. I would like to see some some – really good hitting out of the guys off the bench. I'm assuming that at least two of these games, we're going to get to that point where it's like, all right, let's put the backups in, see how they hit. I want to see Von Siebert and Slade Alford you know, get a few good swings and see what they can do. And I, I, like I said, I guess another one, I want to see something settle us at shortstop. And I don't want somebody to be non-productive, but, you know, give me a better idea of, of where of where that position is going to look like in a couple weeks. My prediction is that, you know, we're going to win all three, not only because there's a talent gap, but you have to. I mean, this – we talk about games that aren't important. Some games are important to win. Other games are important to not lose. And that's a difference. And that's a very, very big difference. So there's some people that think, you know, I'm not, I'm not acting like there's – this runs through guys' heads all the time. But every game is an, is important to an extent. A loss, even though, even though we expect to win, a loss in all of these games is worse than just about anybody else on our schedule, except for, you know, about the same as, you know, your Princeton. I guess we, we probably play Jackson State at some point. I have to look, Grambling. It's one of those games where you just – you have to find a way to win all three, uh, even if it's ugly. I don't expect it to be that way. I expect to win all three games comfortably, but there is – there is not much to gain this weekend. That that's kind of makes it, especially with the bad weather, just a poor – I'm not fired up about this weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Landon Sims pitch. I mean, who wouldn't be? I'm excited to, uh, you know, maybe hit a few home runs, but I'm not geared up to watch this series. I cannot speak. To watch this series because – Nothing good can – nothing great can come of it. You know, some good can come of it. Like I said, we can get work for all the pitchers. That's good. But you're not going to be like, whoa, whoa, we just swept Northern Kentucky. Like, nobody cares. They're only going to care if you lose. It's like it's like those football games that you play against the FCS opponent where, you know, there's, again, nothing to gain, everything to lose. Yep. And, I mean, you're right. Taking two out of three, I just pulled up our, our – CWS two four seven rankings. I mean, you know, losing just one is going to drop us in those rankings. You know, sometimes like okay, you win the series, you know, you're probably not going to drop. This is one of those. Yeah, unless you sweep, we're dropping. And and you know, we we played a good opponent this weekend, and that's why you know, we didn't drop drastically too much. But just yeah, Northern Kentucky is just not good, not good. I you know I I hate that we had them scheduled. I mean, I wish we could have gotten at least a team that just looked better on opening weekend, but, you know, got to win one or two games by 10 runs. You've just got to dominate. I mean, I don't know how to put it, you know, be relaxed, right? My prediction is that like, we're, we're going to get relaxed. This is an opportunity to do it. There's not going to be as many people in that ballpark. And a lot of people made the trip from Jackson, from Tupelo, some from the coast even to watch the defending national champions play. They also came to watch a top 25 matchup. This is far from a top 25 matchup. So it's going to be a smaller crowd at all three games. 
you know, so not as much pressure on the guys and hopefully an easier, easier look. Just get those wins. Just get those wins. Let's go four and on the week and, you know, move on to the next one, move on to Tulane who will be a tougher opponent. I couldn't agree more. If there's not anything to add, you're, are you ready to close out? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Follow us on Twitter at the Maroon Mike. Literally, it's just Maroon Mike is the handle, one word. Uh, all types of basketball talk going on right now. I actually kind of paused there because I'm trying to, you know, get this into get this going. I just sent – I had to tag a guy, tag Andrew on a tweet. This guy's like, why is it Sean Miller on this list? Andrew knows Sean Miller is not a candidate anymore. If he is, it would be a long circle back to him at this point. But as of right now, he's not a candidate. That's the kind of information you get on the Maroon Mike. But anyway, follow us on Twitter, especially for basketball news. We won't have a basketball episode uh, or any basketball discussion today, but we will, again, full coaching search mode next week. This is your first full baseball-only episode of 2022. So congrats to all of you who are big baseball fans. And we'll see you Monday, probably. probably if I had to get, call it today, it's probably a baseball only on Monday. Uh, we will talk about some of the midweeks. And then on Thursday, we'll kind of circle back to basketball. Uh, might do it Monday. just depends on the Andrew's schedule. But until next time, as always, swing your sword and hail state.